This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome to Asherline. That's presented by Carbide Brewing Company. We're at Plucker's Wing Bar. I'm Steve Sparks along with Jeff Blum. The analysts get to do the show today. Good to have you with us, Jeff. Yep. They, they handed over the reins to, to the inmates. To a couple of amateurs. In every sense of the word. <laughs> All right, got a little news with the Astros. Yesterday they made a signing, and, and we're talking about uh, another relief pitcher. So back-to-back weeks coming on to Asheline. Ryan Stanek last week. Yep. This week it's Pedro Baez, veteran pitcher, last seven seasons with the Los Angeles Dodgers. What would you think about that pickup? I thought it was good. I think still, you know, for me, I still feel like, you know, with Osuna going on the shelf with his elbow injury, that opens up that closing role. There might be some questions around Ryan Presley, who's a very good setup guy. Would he be able to close? And I think there's still concern about how these games are going to end. But I do believe that the depth in Stanek is good. Uh, he, he's also been an opener, but he's also got jet fuel on that right arm. Mm-hmm. But Pedro Baez, for me, is a guy who, you know, playing with the championship team with the Dodgers over the last three or four years. And I think he's got a career 306 ERA, which is highly appealing. Yeah. Everything about him says that he is going to be a guy that's going to match up nicely and allow Dusty Baker and Brent Strom to be able to pick guys in lineups and have him go out there and attack them pretty good. I think everybody's starting to look at the numbers, and now with the three-batter minimum rule, you're yep. looking for pitchers who can get righties and lefties out, and Baez falls into that camp. He does, and go ahead and get you some popcorn and something to drink, too, because if he takes the bump, <laughs> you got some time to watch some baseball. This guy is notoriously one of the slowest workers. I know that's yeah, probably if you not, got one, a of story, the, wait not for one of the better selling in. points, but in our heads, I know you've thought about it, too. As I I'm going, okay, i got to save up some stories for when that guy is pitching. Yeah. But uh, every time he goes out there, it may be methodical, it may take a little while, but he gets the job done. And I, I agree with you that with the three-batter rule, he's one of those guys that it's appealing on both sides of the plate. That's it. I mean, it, it, we're looking at this team right now, and I think about Ryan Presley. You know, it's probably out of turn uh, for me to offer this opinion, but I don't think he was completely healthy last year. It, I agree. It, he had had the knee injuries, and he just didn't look at – it looked like his fastball was a tiny bit short, and his breaking ball was breaking a little bit uh, earlier than usual. Yeah. Uh, it when was he's rolling. at the top of his game, it was rolling a little bit more. And every once in a while, we would see that sudden – that sudden break on on his curve and his slider. But I felt like you did maybe after like two or three days off when he came back, that first appearance back after getting a couple of days break, that's when that snap was on there. And then you go back to back days. Yeah. It just didn't, it just wasn't there. He wasn't rebounding as quickly as he wanted. Yeah. And and I say that uh, in the sense that I think Ryan Presley's certainly capable of being your ninth inning pitcher. I think he's got the the mental capacity, you know, whatever it takes. And we're going to talk with one of the all time best closers during this uh, Astro line, uh, but it's not always easy to go out there in the ninth inning. We've seen it time and time again where 
Guys are great in the seventh inning. Guys are great in the eighth inning. But when you put them in the ninth inning, there's no safety net. Yeah, and that's where the conversation with Billy Wagner got kind of fun. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the mentality of that closer, and he willingly just opened up and said, you know, this is how I felt every time I went out there. And I felt that as a player playing behind Billy Wagner. When he came into the game, I played with some very good closers. I got to play with Trevor Hoffman. Wow. There were only a couple of guys where they came in and you went, all right. Game We're over. done. This is it. Yeah. And it felt much like the 2017 season when you had the, you know, the 7th, 8th, and ninth were locked up and the game was over. Yeah. And that feeling doesn't happen very often, but it was nice to hear Billy actually open up and talk about it at the, at, you know, looking back on his career. Well, general manager James Click starting to make his mark. And one of the things that I think the, the beat writers for the Astros have picked up on is something that he said is he's looking for some pitchers that can get the big outs. Yeah. And now with Stanek, who can go out there for three or four hitters and get big outs in the seventh, eighth inning, uh, I think you can say the same thing about somebody with as much experience as Pedro Baez has. Presley, obviously, is going to get a lot of big outs. And then you throw those guys into the mix. Joe Smith, uh, uh, hopefully, oh, that'll be you know, nice. fingers yeah. crossed, man. You, yep. you get him to get a lot of those big outs. Then you can sprinkle in all those, the Andre Scrubs and the Brooks Raley's and uh, the Blake. I completely Blake agree all those on guys. that because I think you've got to protect some of those young kids. Yeah. yeah, last year was a unique year, just in the sense that they could they played without stands, you know, or fans in the stands, so there was a little bit less pressure in that sense. But again, they didn't know what was going on. Right. You know, they had a chance to feel for it. I think Dusty did a good job by of finding out who could who could play a role down the stretch later in the season, and that's why they were successful in the playoffs. But anytime you have really good young talent like the guys you're talking about, you sprinkle in that, veter- that veteran who can sit out there, have the conversation, and explain how to get through some of those yeah. tougher situations is only going to enhance some of those good arms they already have. Steve Sparks and Jeff Blum here. How many more pitchers do you think James Click needs to go after? I, I, if, there, if there's somebody who has closing experience, I think he's got to take a look at him. I, you know, I would like to say two more because I'd love to have that closer uh, that back end of the bullpen guy, and then I would like to see maybe if you could find that 3-4 starter to mix in there just in case to give a little more protection, a little more depth in that rotation. I, that would be nice for me. Okay, what about outfield? So we're starting to hear some rumors now. You, you're hearing those. You're yeah. reading these. Uh, where some other teams are starting to shop guys. You never know it's crazy, where, it? yeah. where teams are financially and, and who they'll shop. Or how they project their... and you know, minor league systems and who they value yeah. and would be willing to so move. I, I say that because uh, Andrew Benatendi's name has come I'll tell up. you what. If, if, a left-handed bat who puts together an incredible at-bat and may... Sounds like Michael Brantley. Well, that's what I was, I was just going to say. And he might actually have more power than a guy like Michael Brantley. He might be able to sneak a couple more out of the ballpark for you and provide a little more thump in that lineup if you can get a guy like Andrew Benatendi. We know he can play some defense, and he's played a unique left field in Boston. He played a great left field in uh, the, the ALCS in 2018 uh, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. So we know the defense prowess is theirs, and the at-bats, he'd fit right in. Yeah, you know, and you're looking for maybe one or, or two guys to fit into this lineup. Then you're still looking at a top five offensive team, I think. I think a lot of teams are going to sleep on this Astros team. Good. Yeah. Because these guys are going to come out and just break. And you you forget Jordan Alvarez. I I cannot wait to see what that guy can do healthy throughout the course of the season. Yeah. Uh, You know, talking to Jeff Bagwell, we're both pretty excited about a guy like Jordan. If he's healthy, he might be able to sneak sneak 40 home runs out of the ballpark throughout the course of a season. Wouldn't that be a nice piece to have in the middle of your lineup? That would be sneaky. 
All right, we got a great show. The 2021 season is fast approaching, and the excitement is building. Make sure you have a seat in the game with a 28-game plan. Whether you want to see every series or be here every weekend, we have the perfect plan for you. Visit astros.com slash ticket plans or call 1-877-9ASTROS to learn more. Coming up, two segments with Billy Wagner, one of the best closers of all time. Uh, that's back with more on Astroline right after this. Baseball season, it comes and goes. But Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park, or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! Discover the Palm Beaches. Experience legendary hospitality in Florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts. Miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from Jupiter to Boca Raton. Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. We are back. I am Jeff Blum, and I am joined with Steve Sparks here at Pluckers, and this is Astro Line brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Join the Astros Virtual Buddies Club today. For $25, we will ship a Buddies backpack, socks, hat, and lanyard right to your door. Virtual Buddies will also have the opportunity to be selected for exclusive virtual experiences that are continuing through the offseason. Visit Astros.com slash Buddies for more information. Got Billy Wagner, future Hall of Famer. And, Billy, I got to ask you this. You're turning 50 in July, and you're still coaching. I imagine you're throwing about an hour's worth of batting practice every single day. Am I right? I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have spurs and got a few machines since getting close to that 50. So, <laughs> so I have a lot. I have more coaches, and I start to kind of delegate a little bit more. But uh, I still do my my fair share of throwing, and that's about the only thing that doesn't hurt. It's uh, throwing. Yeah. I, I feel I can throw forever. It's everything else hurts. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about your professional career career in a little bit, but I'm always curious. You know, you you coaching some of these high school kids and being around the club aspect of baseball these days, which has changed completely for all three of us. You know, it's a completely different animal. But you were a guy that could throw 100 miles an hour. How many of your players, or even players on other teams who know who you are, approach you and say, "Billy, how do I throw 100 miles an hour?" Mm less than you'd think really uh, yeah and most guys most uh, most kids uh, most kids have gurus most kids have gurus <laughs> nowadays that, that great they, name they, I, I, they will and, and you know i think a lot of that's because when you when you have a guru you pay him and what's that pay what's that guy going to say so he's not going to tell you anything you don't want to hear coach wagner will and so they they will they they don't uh, and you know me i'm pretty straight and you know i try to be you know, I'm not going to crush a kid's dreams or anything, but I, I but the kids, you know, I'm going to say, Hey, things have got, <laughs> things have got, you know, this, these are things that, you know, I did, but I mean, you know, as you know, being in a locker room, you're with a bunch of freaks. And I mean, you don't know why they're able to do the things they're doing. I don't know why I'm five ten and can throw as hard as I could, but I mean, this is what I did. And so, you know, when you talk to Nolan or when you talk to uh, some of these older players, they did things that none of us ever did. I mean, nobody did a heavy ball. Nobody did uh, bands and all this. I mean, there's a 45-minute routine to these kids nowadays. And so 
they don't, they don't come up as much. They, uh, you know, I think they're, they're a little bit more impressed when I go out and throw BP and I'm throwing from the mound and they're like, Oh God, wait a minute. Oh yeah. Way better movement. You still got that short arm action that just pumps it in there. Huh? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. And so, uh, you know, they'll laugh cause I'll come in and I'll put my cleats on. I'll go, all right guys, let's go. You got me today. And so, you know, and they, they're like, what? And you know, you know, it's not as hard as it used to be, but for about the first four or five years, I would tone it up and go, here we go. And I would, I would guess them guys would just be, you know, and so the machine was a little bit more friendly for them and stuff. And so, but I mean, you know, playing long toss and watching these guys, they still get an idea of what I'm trying to teach and stuff. So, but it, but it is, I mean, it, it has changed a lot for us, but uh, in a lot of good ways. The, everything you've accomplished in the game, what motivated you to get back into coaching? I know your kids are probably part of it, what, but you're really in it and really encouraging these kids. What was it about the game and what is it about coaching that you love so much? Well, I was blessed to have two coaches. Uh, well, I had a lot of coaches, but my high school coach, Luke Perry, was just a huge influence on me. And, and, and understanding that, you know, it's about the kid, not, not the wins and losses. My college coach, Abe Naff, was a huge influence on just being a motivator and, and teaching kids how to play, you know, not with numbers, but to win, to, to win the game. And so in uh, going through pro baseball, it was, uh, you know, you become very selfish you become, and you, you forget how hard this game is a lot of times. And so once I got out, I said, you know what, <clears throat> I'm going to go back and I'm going to relax and I'm going to teach these kids. I just want these kids to have fun. But I want them to play with a passion and understand the game and, you know, not be so worried about wins and losses. The, the process of winning and losing will come with how you practice, how you go about your, your job and, and your accountability. And so just really preaching that and not really browbeating a kid over, you know, not getting a hit or because I tell them, you're going to take bad swings, you're going to make bad pitches, you're going to make good pitches. All these things are going to happen, but, you know, compete. Learn how to compete and don't look back at numbers. Don't sit here and please don't come in and ask me what your pitch count is or what your spin rate or what my launch angle was on that. Just, just, <laughs> Hey, if you got a hit, great. If you're on base, great. If you got that guy out and there's a line drive, great. I said, because at the end of the day, that's what matters and you're trying to win. And so, but the game in that aspect has changed too, because the colleges have put a lot of emphasis on size and maturity and IQ that some of these kids don't get because they're a little late bloomers. And so, you know, I try to take a little bit of that pressure off and just say, Hey, Oh, that'll take care of itself by just going out and competing. And, you know, and I enjoy the kids. I enjoy the relationships with the kids because there's so much more to being a high school coach than going out there and saying, hey, hold the ball this way, grip it that way. I mean, they have so much going on in their life with family, co uh, colleges, uh, girlfriends, you name it. And having having just a little bit of influence to kind of smooth out or have somebody just they can sound on and not, you know, not be judgmental on them, they – they, they feel better about that. And so I like that because my high school coach and college coach was really a lot like that for me. And so, we, you know, we've been very blessed to have a lot of great kids come in. And, uh, but it's been good to have that relationship. Billy, why do you think baseball is the ultimate late bloomer sport? It's just – it's not a size requirement. I mean, uh, it's about production and, com and competing. Uh, and I, I think when you go out there, uh, there's been enough guys that show that – you don't have to have a certain size. You have to have a certain grit about you to be able to compete and competing, uh, you know, once again, isn't a size requirement. It's a heart requirement. And, you know, if you've got the requirement, if you can go out there and manage your emotions and compete and, and fight for that, you, 
you can play against these guys. I mean, you know, when you watch ESPN, all you see is these guys hitting home runs. You only see them hitting home runs, but then you look in the box scores and they were one for four with three punch outs, but they hit a home run. They, you, they don't see that. And so kids are like, oh, these guys are so great. I got to be this. And, you know, and it's just, it's, you know, it's really difficult to show these kids that. And, and I tell these kids, I will never be the guy that goes, you'll never play pro baseball. Cause I said, I, I was very fortunate. I had, my coaches were very positive with me, but there, there were people around sitting there going, you can't do this. You're not going to do that. You're too little. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there was a uh, scout for the Astros. And I mean, and um, I guess Strami might know him. His name was Paul Weaver. I was in Salt Lake City and he, he was behind me and he reached over my shoulder and goes, Hey, I just want to let you know that I didn't want to draft you. You're too small. You're, you're not going to be durable. And I said, well, I appreciate that. Thanks. And that was a positive for me because that was just motivation. But you know, most kids today, they can't handle that. Um, and so, you know, I got, you know, those are the things these kids today need motivation. They need the encouragement, but they need, they need grit. And, you know, and I, I like being that guy. What was uh, high school coaching like this year with the pandemic? What did you have to change? It had to be brutal. Spray bottles and masks and foggers yeah. and I mean jobs, right? Um, well, everything. I mean, you're you're cleaning before they get there. You're making sure masks are on. You're cleaning after they leave. Um, you know, it's just hand sanitizers. It's I mean, uh, you know, we're a small private school, but it's you know, it's really you know, uh, I've taken on that extra like, hey, I'm the grounds crew, and now we have a turf field, which helps a ton. But you know, I'm I'm the cleanup crew. I'm the I'm the concession guy. I'm the, so all these things I try to you know the music and the lights and all, so we're doing all that, but. You know, it's just, you know, it adds a little bit more time. But, I mean, it's what it takes to be able to have what you want to be able to, to do. And, I, and I'm and i no guru in baseball, but I love being around baseball. And so I'll do whatever I need to do to be able to have these kids on the field playing and enjoying themselves. Billy, when uh, you were playing in, uh, in high school and going through the collegiate levels, when did you actually realize that you had that kind of velocity in your left arm? I wasn't very good at knowing who I was. I, I, you know, of course you have people say, Hey, you throw hard and you do this. Uh, you know, I had strikeouts, but you know, you always had, I'm left-handed. I was, I was effectively wild. Uh, I mean, I really didn't know what I was doing. Uh, it it kind of, I don't know if I ever thought I was good enough. I think that was one of the things that kind of drove me is, I mean, Motivation. I know what numbers say and I know what things, but you know, there's a point where numbers, numbers become a target. And so, in a bullseye on you. And so, you know, I never thought about how hard I threw. I, everybody else would like to tell me. I mean, you of all people know that throwing hard, it still travels a long way. I mean, you took me deep. I mean, David Eckstein <laughs> took me deep. I mean, I, it, it, you know, it was really for me. I, I never, I, I was never comfortable in my own skin with that because it only takes one reporter to go, "Hey, you're a thrower," and all of a sudden you go, "Ha." Oh, how about crush your dreams real quick? Those were the things that really hard. I mean, and I had those guys because I was, I was a pitcher in 2010. I was a thrower in, in 95, 96. And, you know, until I realized that, you know, you can't throw uh, Vinny Castillo straight fastballs the whole time. It just doesn't work. <laughs> no, you can't. No, he can hit the, he can hit the cheese. A lot of guys get to the big leagues and the ability to be able to hit the cheese. But you actually, you know, you spent your career as a closer, but you also talked a little bit about being a starter and then moving to the closer. You know, what 
when you know what made that decision for you was it the velocity or was it the, just the ability to get the swing and miss because your swing and miss numbers that we'll talk about in a little bit are off the charts in comparison to guys who are in the hall of fame when i was starting you know i, I, I didn't like starting because i had one day i liked the day i started and that was it uh, but i didn't have this huge mixture of, of pitches it was fastball and i mean jerry golf was my and, and strongly were my manager and jerry golf was my catcher and they would tell me okay Okay, you got to throw 10% changeups in, you know, in your starts. And I mean, we, me and Jerry would throw 10 changeups in the first inning. All right, we're good. Here <laughs> get we go. them out of the way. <laughs> yeah, but, but it was, you know, uh, let's do what I do and best. And, um, and at that time, you know, there wasn't a lot of guys throwing hard. I mean, there was hard guys, but then there wasn't guys throwing 100 miles an hour. There wasn't lefties that were, you know, 5'10 throwing hard uphill. Those were, those were different things that people hadn't seen. And, I, uh, you know, I, I learned – more about my control and ability as I started through the minor leagues, but getting the getting the opportunity to close was probably the best thing. I mean, and Larry Durker was a huge influence on that because I was uh, I, I went to Puerto Rico to work on starting in in '96, uh, and he ends up taking over in that '97. And he comes down and you know, he's got a big cigar and he's sitting there with Matt Galani and he goes, he's asking me what I want to do. Would you want to close or would you want to start? And I'm like, I want to close. He goes, all right, that sounds good. You and Hudak will be co-closers. And I mean, it's pretty, that was how it was. And so I, um, you know, and it, and, and it kind of worked out. Huda, Hootie was pitching well. I think he got hurt and, and then it just kind of fell on me a little bit. But I mean, it, it was, it was just, uh, I, I enjoyed having to be ready every day. It would, you know, as I got older, it got more stressful, but, and it was just that constant preparation. I enjoyed that, and, but I, I liked closing way better than starting. All right. We're talking with Billy Wagner. Uh, he's a high school coach, maybe a future hall of famer. We'll talk a little bit about the hall of fame votes. Uh, when we come back on Astroline right after this baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! Discover the Palm Beaches. Experience legendary hospitality in Florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts. Miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from Jupiter to Boca Raton. Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. And welcome back to Astroline. It's brought to you by, of course, Carbock Brewing Company. We're at Plucker's Wing Bar on 1400 North Shepherd. Get ready for 2021 by checking out the Astros team store at Union Station. Stop by Monday through Saturday for the latest Astros merchandise or call in an order for stadium side pickup. Visit astros.com slash team store for more information. A little bit more with Billy Wagner coming up. And Blummer, you had the first question. We love Billy Wagner. and I, Billy, there is a rise in votes and you're trending the right way. What would the Hall of Fame induction mean to you? I think it's hard to put into words because it's just something I think every player wants. I mean, there's no doubt when you watch the Hall of Fame uh, inductions and you see uh, the guys up there, I mean, I, everybody's practiced that induction speech. 
Oh, I've practiced that thing a million times. Just, just what's that sound like? What would that feel like? Because you know what, whatever I practice ain't going to come out when I get on there, I'm going to be a ball of tears and emotion. So it's, but I, you know, to be able to sit there and look around and go, you know, there's Barry Larkin, there's, she's, there's Nolan Ryan, there's Sandy Koufax. These guys that have been there, I, I think that is, it's hard to fathom, isn't it? You know, when you've, when you've come from, um, welfare to middle humble, middle class to humble you know, beginnings yeah yeah i mean you those aren't things you think about and then when i mean when i grew up i mean every guy that was on tv they were millionaires they had to have silver spoons they you they it was just until right. you realize and mature that you know you know getting that break and doing something with that that moment you know that was uh i think you know Getting 300 saves was like, if you get 300 saves, hey, there's a real shot here. You know, 400, you should have no problem. And then, you know, then then you get that. And then then the real hard part comes because now you know that the numbers aren't the issue for what's why things are what they are. I mean, so, you know, everything's politically correct. And, and unfortunately, I'm not a politically correct person. <laughs> yeah. I a mean, lot I of that's nice timing too, right? Well, yeah, Mo and Trevor screwed it up for everybody. Right, exactly. Would not retire and quit or lose. They they killed it for everybody. Yeah. So, but, but but I mean, you know, it's uh, it it's been a it's been a blast. You idolized Nolan Ryan, and I would imagine the first time you got a chance to meet him, one of the things that probably endeared you to Nolan was how humble he was because of, of your personality. Is that is that right? Well, it was, he he made his debut in pro ball in my hometown. Really? I mean, Marion, Virginia. Yeah, my wow. dad saw him. It was crazy. And it was funny because the very first time I met Nolan, he's in there with Dennis Laborio in the locker room, and he Dennis calls me in, and I'm just a wreck. And so I'm talking to him, and I go, you know, I'm talking. I go, yeah, Nolan, you you made your debut in my, my hometown, Marion, Virginia. He goes, yeah, I didn't like that place. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Thanks. So, yeah. And that was me. And, but, but I mean, I, over the years, I got to spend more time. And uh, I remember it was 96 or 97. I was, I went through like six weeks, just, I stunk. I, it, I don't know what it was. Couldn't get anybody out good, bad. It didn't matter. And so Dirk and all those guys, they go, hey, oh my God. We'll get him to Nolan. Nolan will fix him. He fixed Randy Johnson. So sure enough, I get a phone call from Nolan. And you getting a phone call from Nolan is like, you know, hey, this is Nolan Ryan. Like, and then when you walk up to him, hey, I'm Nolan Ryan. Like that, he's sitting here like, okay. And so, and I'm like, I'm William Edward Wagner. That's who I feel like. I, I need to tell you who I am and what's my date. But I go out and he goes, I'd like you to come out to uh, Alvin, Texas, and we're, I'm gonna look at you and watch you throw and whatever. So we're still there in the season. <clears throat> it, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. I come out and I got Donnie Wall. Donnie Wall is going to catch me. There's, or I think he's with me and there's, I, we weren't sure if there's going to be a catcher. So he comes in and sure enough, I'm playing catch. No, I'm playing catch with Nolan. Nolan said, I'm, so I'm throwing with Nolan. I'm sitting here the whole time. Oh my God, that's Nolan Ryan. <laughs> I'm short up and oh my god no heck no <laughs> i mean it was it, that was traumatic enough and so he goes all right get up on the mound see what you got and i mean it never took me long to get loose anyway but i was throwing rockets <laughs> that's the first time i was like oh my god i've got good stuff at 10 o'clock and so 
<laughs> and so he looks at me and I mean, literally I throw him 10 pitches and he goes, Oh hell kid, you're good. And that was all he said. So I go back to that. The that was it. Astrodome. What's that? That was it. And that was it. And he goes, and he goes, thanks uh, for coming. So he calls, he calls, um, Durker and him and goes, Oh, he's good. And so of course they put me in that night. I think I give up a run, you know, I punch out, I punch out three, I give up a run, but they're like, Oh, he's back. He's back. <laughs> and stuff. And it was sort of like when uh, it was funny because it's sort of like when Randy Johnson came in and I came back and they're like, Oh, you need to talk to uh, Randy about his slider. I go up and I go, Hey, Randy. Hey, Hey, you know, Hey, show me how you drip. Can you help me work on this? And he goes, I would like this. All right. Okay, good. Good talk. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> and I think 99, I end up having this really good year. Breaking balls real good. All of a sudden, Randy Johnson's like, yeah, I worked with him. And I'm like, Showed him my slider. I'm like, are you kidding me? He owes everything to me. Randy Johnson's over here trying to go, yeah, we, we worked on that. And I'm like, dude, you, your back was hurt. You're laying in the thing. I mean, he's laying down. He couldn't throw all the time. His back was hurt. Go out, pitch eight innings, punch out 20. Ugh, I can't finish that last one. My back's hurt. Get him wax. That's why I told him. I was like, what? You know, paid all this money. But it was funny. But, I mean, but really, Nolan was just, I mean, even I think two years ago when I came in and I threw out the first pitch and uh, I walk in and, you know, it's something to see Baggy and Biz. I mean, they're still those iconic figures, but I walk in and there's, there's Nolan. And I've met Nolan a hundred times. Hey, Nolan Ryan. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> I mean, it's, he's just such an awesome person though. I, you know, and you know, he never asked me about, he never asked me silly stuff. He always, it's like, Hey, you gang, how's them cows doing? You know, it's always about former will. Mm-hmm. So it's great. So it's, it's, he puts you at ease a little bit more now. Yeah. Nothing like a couple of ball players talking about beef before baseball, but <laughs> Hey, I get traded over in Oh two and I become a part of the Astros and I'm playing third base and I'm getting to, I'm getting to realize what Houston summers are like, you know, 105 humidity, you know, sweating bullets. And I want to know something when you came into games, <clears throat> I'd be standing at third base and all of a sudden, I would feel this whoosh on the right-hand side of me when we were playing at Minute Maid Park. And it was, it, it was every ounce of humidity outside the stadium that just came rushing in and took me out as you came into games. Did you have any control over that, or is that something you wanted? No. Nobody good wants Lord. That. That's good uh, to know, be, because uh, for the I entire mean, time we played together, I blamed you for that. Well, good. You know what? Because I was sitting there, and I was like, who? And I remember talking to Drayton about that, and Drayton goes, well, I promised the city of Houston we were going to have outdoor baseball. I'm like, holy. I said, all righty. I went from 5'10 each game. I'm back to 5'8". I was going to say, you pitched one inning, and you lost the most weight of anybody on the team. Uh, I remember just being drenched and just feeling like I'd done. And, you know, Baggy and them were looking at me like, I've just played nine nine innings. 162 games, nine innings, and I'm great. And I'm like, Good. That's <laughs> pouring sweat. I just, just, I don't know why they did that, but that's what Drayton always okay. told me. Well, I promised them outdoor baseball. Well, see, we can be friends again. I, I, yeah. I just started cracking up. I'm like, why is Billy asking for the roof to be open, man? Is the ball not travel as well, or what's going on? Oh, yeah. Uh, the balls yeah. have been hit off me. They travel well. <laughs> they travel well. Shut up, dude. Yeah, I, I, I hit that ball. Who did you hate facing? Was Piazza one of the worst? No. Well, I, well, I'll be honest with you. It's like Osmus, like uh, like uh, you, like uh, Eckstein, like guys that. Yeah, if you made a mistake, they could they could do some damage. But I mean, they 
eight, nine fell off battle together. All of a sudden, base hit, you're out there going, holy cow, now, now that guy comes back around and you've done 25 pitches and you're starting to fill it in 105 degree, you know, 200 degree humidity. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. But that, that, those were the guys. Miguel Oliva wore me out. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I'm like, he would wear me. These guys would wear me out. But, so you know, I know some of the bigger guys like Mac and uh, uh, Barry. And so, so a lot. Those guys, they, those two got me, but one for five. So I was never like, here we go. I mean, it was, I, I enjoyed that because it was really a win-win for me. I mean, I remember uh, – Coming in one time, and uh, Reggie Jackson asked me, he goes, he come in the dugout, and he saw me, he goes, hey, Wags. And I go, hey, Reggie Jackson, oh, my God. And he goes, he did this one time. I said, one time, he goes, I'd like to face you one time. And he goes, now, you'd probably strike me out nine out of ten times, because one time. I'm like, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> but, I mean, it was pretty cool. I mean, you know, see, yeah. I, I like that guy. I like, hey, power on power. And, I mean, when McGuire took me so deep, he almost took me out of Bush Stadium. I mean, it literally hit like the first or second row from going out. You know, I come in and we just lost the game and Biggio's going, oh, my God, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, you're like, really? That's, that's, I mean, and Bagwell's going, hey, let me forearm bash you. I'm like, what? what, what, what? Those guys are special. Oh, they are. And, you, and you're sitting there going, you know, and so it was great when Kerry Woods, like, dominated him. I was like, Kerry was awesome. I'm getting a sign ball, and I'm in the clubhouse. It was so awesome. Oh, that was so cool. And they're like so pissed. You know, death, you've got the death stare from Bagwell, and you've got mm-hmm. Vigio walking around like he's going to kill somebody. It was awesome. So I, I love being able to sit there and just give it right back to him. Hey, I got one more question before I'm going to throw it to Sparky, but it was 2003, and we're in Yankee Stadium. Royo comes out of uh, the game in the first inning. And we proceed to go through almost our entire bullpen to get to you to close out a game that we had in hand. <laughs> and you close this game out on a ground ball to Baggy, and you're fist pumping. And Baggy's kind of looking at you like, oh. you know, what's wrong with this guy, man? We're a big deal, you know? And tell me how that conversation went, because I tell the story all the time on air because it's so fascinating to people that some of us have no idea that no hitter even happened until the end of the game. But this doesn't no hitter, hitter, right? This I have no hitter. idea. No. You know, I'm out there, and I mean, I am hyped out of my mind, and I am just pumping ground ball to baggy. I'm sprinting my, I'm blowing hamstrings out to get over. I get the ball, and I'm like this, like this. Baggy looks at me, he's like, I'm need, I'm good, and I go, you dumbass, it's a no hitter, <laughs> no hitter, and he's looking, he's looking at me like, what? I was, so, I was so bad. It was the biggest downer. I'm like, what? This is a no hitter in Yankee Stadium. It's never been done. It hadn't been done in 56 years. And yeah. it's so funny because the, that night they were telling us about all these stories about the ghosts in the outfield and, and stuff. And so I'm like, shoot. And so all of a sudden I'm out there. And I mean, Jimmy Williams is calling down, hey, you want this inning? I'm like, hell yeah. Well, I'm up before he's even calling. I'm like picking phone. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and, and so, you know, Dotel, Lidge, me. I mean, there was no doubt this was going to, we were going to have this opportunity. And so, uh, but it was just so funny. I remember looking – and Jeff Kent, you know, you oh, had – I mean, you've got these guys that are acting like, oh, it's no big deal. And it was such a, a killer. And then they come in and Barry Waters has got uh, champagne. champagne. And, we're all, and everybody's like walking around like, why? What, what's, what's the big deal here? And, you know, and it was so short-lived because it was a night game. And, of course, a 1 o'clock game. We have a 1 mm-hmm. o'clock game. 
I don't think I got to bed till like four. And I remember getting up, going to the, and I literally, we had an interview at like nine o'clock. We're sitting here doing it. And uh, that, I mean, everybody's pitching and everybody had pitched that night, that night had to come in the next day, except me. <laughs> they wore it. Everybody oh was available. Thing I, wore, I mean, everybody <laughs> get on the run. Everybody give, it was like one of those things. And I was sitting in, I was sitting out there just go, Oh God, don't put me, <laughs> don't put me in. <laughs> Hey, I called Brent Strom, uh, the Astros pitching coach, about an hour ago, and I said, "Hey, give me—I'm going to talk to Billy. Give me, give me a story." He goes, "I'll tell you one. I'm I'm not sure if Billy knows or or not, but it was in 1995. He was your pitching coach in Tucson, Mm -hmm. and you were a starting pitcher. You mentioned that a while ago uh, after you were drafted. And he said that team was going to the playoffs. He had to call the farm director to get more baseballs. Did did you know about this?" So he calls Fred Nelson, I believe it was, says, hey, we need some more baseballs for the playoffs. He goes, what? What are you talking about? We don't have that in the budget. Why don't, why don't you guys have baseballs? Are you giving them away? He goes, no, the first rounder you sent me doesn't have a breaking ball. He can't put anybody away. And he's got 110 pitches through four and a third every time he pitches. <laughs> and they foul off every one of these pearls. <laughs> well, we can do baseballs because of Billy Wagner. Without a doubt. So the question is, when did you pick up the breaking ball? Because that was obviously the difference maker. Well, I had a curveball. I just okay. couldn't throw. I mean, I had a hammer curveball, but I, I, it was one of those you'd like throw it super hard, super short, and it's like, oh, I can't swing at it. I never got anybody to swing it. If I threw first strike, it was a, oh, wow, okay, good. <laughs> I, and so that was really, I mean, I went to the big leagues with one pitch and, the, and this sometime curveball. And uh, Jerry Hunsinger is the one that said, listen, <laughs> we're in Dodger Stadium. I give him a home run to Raul Mondesi on back-to-back-to-back curveballs. Wow. wow. And uh, uh, he comes in, and Jerry's furious. He's right in my face, and he's like, no more curveballs. You're throwing a slider. I go, I don't know how to throw a slider. You figure it out. Really? We're in the middle of the season. I'm like, okay. Who, Mike Magnatis, who taught me how to throw a slider. No kidding. Mike Magnati. And so I'm sitting here. And I'm like, I'm looking around, Mags is sitting beside me going, <laughs> he goes, well, I mean, it was just awful. And then kind of Lidge kind of helped me kind of get a little bit better, but it was, but it was, uh, yes. I mean, when I was in college, I mean, it was not for me to throw 150 to 175 pitches a game. Absolutely not an issue, <laughs> not a problem. And, and so, I mean, it, but yeah, I can I can definitely believe that without a doubt because uh, there was many a game where I'm like eight nine pitches a batter. You know, I I think when you first broke into the big leagues, we can figure out who your mentors were because you had a lot of veterans: Dre Beck, Swindell, Danny Darwin, I think, Brokale, uh, some oh, of these boy. guys. But once you got to the latter stages of, of your career, what were you telling guys? What were you teaching some of the guys to? to to pitch in the ninth inning. Don't don't forget about Xavier Hernandez. Oh yeah, Xavier, Xavier Hernandez was a huge influence on me. He, okay, you know, um, Mike Maddox was a huge influence on me because mm. a lot of times a closer feels like he has to be a hundred percent to be effective. Hey, you know who else was on that team? Julian Morales's father-in-law, oh. Terry oh. Clark. Terry Clark was on that team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, TC. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay, so what did X teach you besides scuffing? Uh, accountability. <laughs> Huge accountability. Uh, okay. He was. I mean, when I took over as a closer, he he said, I mean, he pulled me to the side and he goes, 
you know, these are the things I want you to do. Win, lose, or draw. You'll be at your locker. I'll have a towel, a water, and a beer for you. You'll wow. answer your questions, and it'll be um, – if, if we win, it's us, team. Uh, if we lose, it's me and I. It's, mm. He goes, you, you always will say that. And so for the whole season, I come in, good, bad, whatever. He's sitting there, and he's, like, standing right there. Wow. Making sure I did what I did. And Danny Darwin, holy God, scary, scariest man I've ever gets brought to Houston. And the very first thing he tells me, he walks up on me. He's 110 years old. Yeah. <laughs> looks down on me and goes, You do your job and I'll do mine. And don't you worry about anything else. I'm like, Yes, sir. I mean, I'm like, I'm 25 years old looking at, him, Yes, sir. And he's 40 something. I'm like, Yes, sir. What I learned from them was just humility um, and, and taking the ball every day, good, bad or whatever, you know, you were never going to feel hundred percent. And what made you as a character, what the character you wanted to show was I'll take the ball. I'm going to go out there with 80% or 70% of whatever I got to do and compete. And, and, you know, as a, as a pitcher, you went out there so many times with your B and C stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. found a way to get these people out. But I had Kimbrell and uh, John Venters and uh, it was easy to tell those guys like, Hey, Right now, it's going to be really easy. Nobody's seen you. Things are going to look really easy. But there's going to be a part, you know, in that fourth to fifth year where you're going to have to figure out who are you. You have to figure out the character and the, you know, and, and that that will separate you. But these are the words. This game's hard. And you got to remember this game's hard. Everybody goes through that, don't they? And, and, you, ha- and you know what? The good ones are the ones that make their way out the other side. Mm-hmm. And it's really the ones who sit there and figure out that – Hey, I can do this. And, and, and you got, you know, you got to have a support group. And I had a, I've been blessed all my life with people like Mike Magnani, Donnie Wall, uh, Jay Powell, Scott Ellerton that were in that bullpen would sit there and, and could, could talk. You could bounce Doug Henry, guys like that, that you could have Peter Moylan, uh, uh, Tim Worrell, Roberto Hernandez, Tom Gordon, Mike Williams. These guys were always around me to sit there and go, Hey, I got you. I mean, there was teams when I was in, uh, Houston, where we had Mike Wayans, Flash Gordon, Lidge, Dotel, myself, Mike Jackson. I mean, there was a time we had six closers sitting in the bullpen, and and you're sitting here looking around going, oh, I mean, how do you lose? Yeah. But they taught me some things of how to, you know, weather the storms, and, and you know, not not every time was, you know, there's, there's some things I wish I could have taken back, but there's nothing I regret when I got on the field. If I regretted some of the things I said between the time I got traded at in Houston to the time I was in Philly. I think those are the times that I regret because I was so immature and I said some things that were came off to be very selfish and, and egotistical, but it was really so far. I was so upset that I got traded from Houston because I really thought I was never leaving Houston. I really, I was sitting here, I'm looking at my numbers in Houston going, I'm underpaid and I'm going to get to stay here for all my life. And then Derry Hunsinger walks down and says, Hey, Drayton thinks we should trade you. He told me at the day before, for our last game against Chicago. So I'm like, oh, what? And I just was just so crushed. I was so crushed. And so uh, those are, I think those are the things that you know, now I talk to guys that when I talk to pro guys, I sit there and go, listen, these are things you don't want to do. This is, and so, you know, I, I've learned a lot. I've matured and, I, and that's why being a high school coach fits me because I can go, Hey, I can show you how not to do a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And so, and, you know, be, being a mentor means you've had to fail enough to learn to teach somebody how to, to do it the right way. And so, you know, I've been blessed with a lot of great people around me. I wouldn't even have a chance if it weren't for the, you, all you guys, even you Blummer. 
<laughs> for, for a brief moment in time, it was a lot of fun playing behind you, dude. I miss those days. I miss those days. And, you know, to, to have the opportunity to, to go back occasionally has been a, a, a lot of fun. Hopefully I'll get back down there. This whole COVID thing will get out of the way and I get back so, down there and spend more time. Even you, Blummer. I like that comment. He even did that on you, purpose, Blummer. man. He did do that on purpose. I felt like that was All a slight. All my friends say that. Even you, Blummer. <laughs> I'm used to it. So that's very telling. I mean, I love the fact that Billy Wagner just leaves it all out there. He doesn't oh, shy man. away from, like, I want to be in the Hall of Fame. And he's not shy, and I love he that. He hasn't been shy about anything in his life. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you didn't have a chance to play with him. I was with him in 0203 when I was playing here, and can't remember. I, th- I think it was 2003 when we were we were going for the National League Central uh, against the Cubs, and we were expecting a big move to be made at the trade deadline because we were just one arm away from actually solidifying our rotation and kind yeah. of moving forward. You know, that was the dawn of Octavio Dotel, Brad Lidge, and then Billy Wagner. There I mean, we go. were starting to shut games down with yeah. big time arms, and. You know, I think it was Randy Wolf we got, and, and Billy Wagner was like, I got something to say. <laughs> and he stood up and he said, that's kind of, what are we doing? He goes, we need to go out and get people. He's a guy, but we need we need big-time arms. And he wasn't afraid to say anything to Drayton. He wasn't any, afraid to say anything to the media. But those guys, that those are the guys that hold you accountable and expect the most out of you in the clubhouse and that's what i appreciated about billy and that's really what i learned the two years i was here with the houston astros to begin with boy he was something else and a lot of times we talk about the eye test and we just kind of knew it uh, when we were playing there's certain guys and i honestly felt this and i'm not just saying this because he was our guest or that we were talking to him billy wagner was a hall of famer man that guy closed it out and he was intimidating and he was one of the one percent best that we've ever seen Absolutely. You know, I told you I had the luxury of playing behind Trevor Hoffman, and that was one guy that you knew when he came into the ball game, the game yep. was over. And, those, and you know, I'm with you. The first three years I was in the big leagues having to face those guys, right. that's where that fear was instilled. But playing behind them, you started to understand a little bit more on how the process kind of came about and why they were so good. Well, don't forget, you can see this on Astro's YouTube channel. That'll be on there in its entirety. That was Billy Wagner. A lot of great stuff. we got one more little tiny segment left on this Astro line. It's brought to you by Carbock Brewing Company. We're at Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 North Shepherd. We'll be back with the last segment right after this. Baseball season, it comes and goes. But Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park, or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for Bond fires and happy hour south padre even your next baby shower so share a crawford bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros and when baseball season comes back let's go strows discover the palm beaches experience legendary hospitality in florida's golf capital with special rates at the area's best resorts miles of uncrowded beaches stretch from jupiter to boca raton Small cities and beach towns are waiting for you to explore. More than 160 sun-soaked golf courses are inviting you to play. Start planning your next trip at thepalmbeaches.com. Yeah, welcome back to the last segment of Asheline. Of course, that's presented by Carbock Brewing Company. We're at Plucker's Wing Bar at 1400 North Shepherd. Steve Sparks with Jeff Blum and 
We just got a few seconds here. We want to thank our, our engineers, Matt Boltz and Joe George, who did a, such a great job. Don't forget, next Ash Line is next Thursday, and that's going to be Blummer uh, with Robert Ford. So look forward to that. Uh, was that 40 or 50 wings you just scarfed down, Blummer? <laughs> that is so not in, uh, intelligible that it just sounds exactly like one of your broadcasts with, with TK. Hey. <laughs> Very good. All right, 35 seconds left in the show. Huh. What'd, you, what'd you take away from, uh, from Billy Wagner? Yep. That's great stuff. Thanks for opening up, Blummer. Hey, next week is going to be great uh, as we march forward. James Click has been doing such a great job of filling out this bullpen right now. Uh, we've got our fingers crossed that we're going to start seeing a couple more signings in the next week or two. So hopefully we'll have a little bit more information. For for Jeff Blum, I'm Steve Sparks. You're yeah. listening to Ashline that was presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.